This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 406 for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back from Zombies Ate My Podcast, and of course, you can find him at Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Feels like I was just here. I think that's true. <laughs> I think it's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, we actually have some fun stuff to talk about this week, and I, I wanted Lou to come back specifically uh, because of all the indie games that he is into and has a broader knowledge of than I do, uh, and that is because uh, the Steam Summer Sale is on. Uh, so we're going to be diving into some of our picks and, and looking closely at that in the next little bit. Um, first thing off the top of the show, though, I want to send people over to another podcast, which seems like a strange thing to do. So don't do it now. Wait until you're done listening to this, and then go and check out the Spawn Chunks, episode 146, and that is our interview with Brandon Pierce, uh, a.k.a. King B-Dogs, uh, who is a Minecraft gameplay developer at Mojang Studios. We interviewed Brandon uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, so far the episode has been well-received. Uh, Brandon had said to us privately afterwards that he had a really good time. Uh, it is jam-packed. I will let you know now. Uh, it might be something that you you have to listen to on its own, you might not be able to do a lot of other things while you're listening to because Brandon is very knowledgeable about game design, uh, has a lot of really interesting opinions about community involvement in game design. So even if you're not necessarily a Minecraft player, um, yes, the conversation does focus on Minecraft in some spaces, but a lot of the things that Brandon talked about are really more about broader game design, community involvement, especially when you have like a forever game like Minecraft, like an open yep. world constantly being updated. So I would imagine, you know, situations like, you know, Satisfactory and No Man's Sky and um, uh, other games like that. Uh, MMOs, I would imagine, probably have a lot of... Um, similar kind of lines that they walk in terms of uh, community involvement. Um, anyway, he's a real pleasure to talk to. I'm really proud of the interview. Uh, tip my hat to to Johnny, um, who has met Brandon in other um, digital summits and stuff through his networking and then was able to kind of orchestrate the um, the scheduling to get Brandon on the show. Uh, and uh, it was fun. It was, it was a nice checkbox as a professional podcaster to be just kind of like, you know, I'm doing this show. It's about this video game. It's like a very focused show. It's a new show. We have fun with it, but we take it seriously. And that was the first time in my 10 plus years of podcasting that I've actually interviewed like a developer or someone that had worked on a thing that I was talking so much about. It was really fun. Interviews are always intimidating. Uh, we've had, we've had plenty over the, over the last few years with uh, Zamp. And uh, it, whenever we get them, I'm always super. I, I'm not. I'm it, despite the fact that I'm on here here once a month and I do my my show twice a week, uh, twice a month. Uh, I'm a socially awkward guy, especially when it comes to new people. So whenever we do interviews, I'm always like, uh, um, what do I say? I don't want to sound like an idiot. What do I do? So so uh, good on you for this. Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate that. And I know what you mean, though. I'm I'm the same way. Like it's, I'm not a nervous person. I'm a pretty um, confident guy. Uh, after ten years of doing podcasting, it's helped me a great deal with any kind of public speaking. I've done a number of panels at conventions where I've either been on the panel or I've been running the panel, and so having that kind of presence uh, has helped a lot. But there's still moments, depending on who it is and what the situation is and how much investment I have in the situation where I still get, you know, kind of butterflies beforehand. Um, but the thing about talking with people on uh, the spawn chunks about Minecraft, what's really nice about that is that you have that thing to fall back on that you're both very yeah. passionate about. And that's Minecraft, right? Um, yeah. We had that that with um, with comics coast to coast as well. Back when I was doing that show with Brian Dunaway. And we would interview a new artist every week. And a lot of times it would be someone that would be kind of 
I would consider like a peer, you know, someone that would be a professional artist or someone that would be have a day job and then do the the web comic on the side and people that I would look laterally to to like, oh, they're doing that really well. And this is really cool. Wonder what I can learn from them and stuff like that. Every now and again, we'd land an interview with someone like Scotty Young from Marvel uh, or uh, Dave Kellett, who draws Sheldon and was one of the pioneers of of web comics uh, and just right. like steeped in their career very successful very knowledgeable and then i would get nervous uh like i had to i had to like get it off my chest before both the dave kellett and the the scotty young interviews and just be like okay look i need to say this now so i'm not a bundle of nerves the entire show <laughs> like i'm a huge fan this is the thrill it, it'll wear off I'll, I'll hit my groove just like bear with me because <laughs> uh, it was it was surreal to be able to talk to both of them I'll never forget the first time we interviewed anybody for Zombies Ate My Podcast. It was uh, somebody had reached out to us. They had written a book, and it was a zombie uh, a, a zombie book that took place during uh, uh, the Byzantine Empire. And so I ended up having to do research so that I knew what the Byzantine Empire was and how long it reigned and everything else. And the reason the guy wrote the book during the during the Byzantine Empire is he was a professor in uh, in in Washington state who taught history at a university and his other hobby was zombies so he wrote a book that took used both of his hobbies and so i was like i need to like know what i'm talking about when i ask this questions cuz he's way smarter than i probably am it's the kind of thing where like i recognize that name i can't spell it google had to correct me uh, yep. But if you had have asked me, Joel, when did that happen? I would have been just like, no bloody clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a sweet clue. And it turns out it was from what, like 300 BC to 1300 AD or something yeah, it's like that? Like, it's like the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages. Yeah. Like it just, and it's the kind yeah. of thing that flashes up in a documentary and they put the dates at the bottom of the screen. And you can't read them fast enough or you're just not going to remember this. It's not really, yep. you know, part of the discussion, but that's, yeah. That's and that funny. was our, that was our first interview. And I was like, and I remember saying to Ryan afterwards, I don't like these. I will say the, the most awkward situation that I've ever been in, and I'm not going to name any names, mostly because I don't remember them. Uh, it was when we would get approached on comics coast to coast and be requested to interview someone. Yeah. And it was always forced. They, it was always a situation where we'd like, we would find a way to, to uh, like talk to the creator in some way, but we'd always go into it with like a little bit of dread. If, if we decided to go ahead with it and just kind of like roll the dice. Now, sometimes it had worked, it, it worked out, but like, very seldom do you get someone that says, hey, I should be interviewed and then email the podcast and say, you should interview me or if it's their PR person. Um, and every once in a while, if it was like a book project or anything that was supporting, you know, artists or a group of artists, we thought, well, that's worth maybe sharing around. And then you like you'd get a copy of the thing that they're working on. And then after you realize that they're not going to send you the book until you agree to interview them. But then you agree to interview them. They send you the book and you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> like. What are we going to say about this? We, we've we really lucked out most of the time with Zombies Ate My Podcast. We get a lot of book people, and Ryan and I have agreed now that if somebody wants us to talk about their book, we don't want to interview them anymore. We're, we're so tired of interviewing authors. Yeah. As that we've Because we've done probably about at least a dozen interviews with people that have written books or things, things of the like. And it always goes the same way. The only person we've agreed that we would have back on the show if we needed to is uh, we interviewed the woman who wrote the Walking Dead cookbook. I remember and you before, saying that. Yeah. And before she wrote the Walking Dead cookbook, she did a zombie uh, survival guide cookbook. And her publisher reached out to us and we interviewed her. And she's the most researched guest we've ever had. She literally researched our podcast and knew who we were before she sat down with us. Oh, that's and nice. Knew what our, and knew what our topics be. We were just going to interview her and then like clip it into the show. And she was like, no, no, no. I want to stick around for the whole episode because I know what you watched for a movie this week. And I want to talk about it. And we were like, uh, okay. <laughs> nice. And Very so cool. when when she wrote the Walking Dead cookbook, she reached out to us again and was like, "Hey, I did another cookbook. 
can I come back on? And we were like, sure. And Ryan and I have agreed that if she ever wanted, does another cookbook or something and she wants to come back on the show, she's probably the only author we'd have back nice. on in any time, any time forward. Um, we're really looking forward to talking with more people uh, about, like on the Spawn Chunks. Uh, we've got legs in with uh, other content creators now. We've got uh, inroads into... Now that we've talked to somebody at Mojang, I feel like it might be easier to potentially talk to other people at, at Mojang Studios. Um, yeah. I, uh, Brandon let slip that there are other people at the studio that do listen to the Spawn Chunks, which is just a nice feather in the cap when you're doing a podcast yeah. about a game. Um, but I, uh, Brandon was very generous with his time. Uh, I believe he was on vacation and he ended up sticking around for the full render distance. Um, for people that don't know, um, the, the render distance is the extended version of the, the Spawn Chunks podcast and it's available only to patrons. So there's about 15 to 30 minutes of extra content at the beginning and the end of the recording. And really it's just me and Johnny, you know, shooting the shit and, and, catching up or whatever in this case you know we were talking to brandon and we were talking about like his vacation and and uh, work conditions uh, during covid and just like how that has affected everybody and so it was still an interesting conversation it just wasn't necessarily minecraft focused um and it's right. more casual there's more joking around and stuff like that but um but it was cool they yeah, brandon was super generous with his time which is is really nice when you've got like it's so funny like i see the interviews and i see the little like six to 10 minute clips that that Minecraft will put out on their YouTube channel talking about the changes to the game. And you're talking with like Agnes, who's like the the game director. Um, uh, I think that's her title. Um, she's the boss of applesauce on Java Minecraft, pretty sure. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, she's talking about the game and you got Brandon was on camera one week and you get uh, a bunch of other developers and they're just so down to earth that you have to remind yeah. yourself that Minecraft is the most downloaded video game on the planet. Right. Like these these people yep. are making a game for 10 million plus people that, you know, at least own it, if not, you know, are active playing it. So the amount of pressure and the amount of like you are like they're big deals and they're just so down to earth. You know, it, they're so pleasant to talk to. Or I should say Brandon was very pleasant to talk to. I've interacted with a couple on stream and, and on on Twitter. But when I see them in the videos, they're just so genuinely nice. You know, like it doesn't feel like some sort of corporate video you know like you see announcements for like microsoft and like the bigger things like apple and they just they seem so formal and and the mojang studios is just so chill about everything um and i'm sure it's got a lot to do with like swedish culture and stuff like that but it's it's it was really cool i'm looking forward to like diving in and more and, and exploring a little bit more of, of that side of of minecraft because um i've been on the other, other end of it for quite some time um, speaking of video games, though, uh, as we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the Steam Summer Sale is on. It's uh, running between June 24th and July 8th of 2021. And uh, there are a metric ton of games on sale, ranging from yes. something simple like 10% to 20% off, to all the way down to like 80% off, depending on what you what you want to do. Yes. And um, for me, I'm not as much into the AAA Ubisoft, EA games, but I will admit this Steam sale, I did buy the Mass Effect Legendary Edition because it's like 20% off. Mm -hmm. And I've been itching to play through those games again. It's been a long time. I would love to as well. I just don't want to play them on PC. Like I've got a 55 inch television. I'd much rather play it there. Yep. Right. Yep. So I'm and waiting I... for that to come to like Xbox Game Pass or something. Yeah, I, and I got it. I think it was I think it was like forty two dollars or something when all was said and done, and that's fine. It's three games, and it's it's probably three hundred hours of gameplay for me. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah, that, no, exactly. it, it, I'm gonna get my money's worth. Yeah, but my only gripe is I started Mass Effect one, and it's the least polished of the three games. Yeah, they have for the Legendary Edition. Man, they upres the graphics. They didn't do anything else for Mass Effect 1. <laughs> it, it's still got bugs from the original Xbox game. It's still got... Uh, it's still super unbalanced. I went into one mission, and it should be really easy. And you step out of cover for one second, and the guy hits you with a thing, and it kills you. And so I had uh. to reload my save and do it like seven times before I got it right. And it wasn't because it was particularly hard. It was just the AI is so stupid that they don't think about tactics. The enemy is literally like they're, they're willing to sacrifice themselves as long as they kill you. 
Right. So they'll just charge you. and You'll be like, wait, they're just running at me. Why are they just running at me? And like, you're like, this isn't a firefight. This is a guy literally running at me. And then he hits me with a thing that blows him and me up. Yeah. Like, ugh. And so the game is full of those kind of bugs. <clears throat> but the story's good. So, I mean, I'm probably already halfway through the game at this point. And uh, I, I'm i going to try and rush through the rest of the game so that I can get to 2 and 3, which are the much, much better games. Yeah, I remember the big change from 1 to 2. I've only played through Mass Effect the one time on Xbox 360, and uh, I did. I was pretty frustrated with, with 1. What kept me going with 1 was the story and the dialogue choices, and that was a new thing for me, so the novelty of that kind of kept me going through. I remember hating driving around. There was some yep, sort of that, car there's, there's thing. A, there's, a, there's a mech thing you have to drive around on planets, yeah. and I got I get the idea of what they were trying to do, Mm. but it's not fun no it's the one part of the game it's really getting annoying to me because i am trying to do uh one of the things that the legendary edition does is it comes with all of the dlc for all three games that maybe you didn't play Mm. and there's a bunch of dlc for the first game i didn't play so i've been trying to do that stuff and they're all really small minor kind of dumb fetch quests and every single one of them makes you drive the mech around on the surface of a planet. You never just go to a station and answer people's questions or do something. You always end up having to go to the surface of the planet and drive around the mech. And I'm like, none of these are fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always sucks when you have a really good game that's really good at stuff. Like Mass Effect, on top of being just a good story, well-written, it is an excellent cover shooter. Like you, It really nails that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not a driving game. So like, why? No, nope. <laughs> you know, it's, I had that worry when I started playing uh, No Man's Sky because uh, you can walk around and, and collect stuff and like that, that kind of first person experience is pretty solid. But then you got to get in a spaceship. And I found it took a long time for me to get used to flying around the spaceship, especially when they give you something that handles like a bus, despite the fact that it's the size of a motorbike when you get into it. Um, to start off it, it's not until later when you can find a better ship with better handling and, and upgrade things that you feel like you're a lot better at flying around and even then you're still flying around with a right. mouse and keyboard at least i was on on pc if people are playing on on console it's a different experience but um i i found that that thing with uh no man's sky like there are it's definitely an excellent exploratory game but that wants to be a building game too and it's not very good at it. At least the last time I put any real effort into building a No Man's Sky, it was yeah. really frustrating with the way that things snapped. Colors of things are all weird. Like you're you're building a space station, and your options are wood, concrete, or metal walls. And you're like, why wood for starters? And then two, why does everything look crappy? Like why would I build these odd-looking yeah. industrial concrete walls when I'm flying a spaceship? that shoots lasers you know like yeah uh, and they had these prefab systems like tubes and cubes that would all connect together like toys when we were kids it's one of the things that drove mm. me crazy with the last fallout game mm. is they gave you the ability to build your own town where you could like lay pallets down and then build walls around the pallets and build build houses and other dwellings and it seemed like a really cool idea at first but then Bethesda artificially made the game longer because part of the plot is you're trying to establish these community hubs so that that you can travel from town to town to town. And so all of the towns is, and I'm I'm not jo- I'm not exaggerating when I say this. There's trading posts in towns and little shops, and there's probably close to fifty of them. And whenever you get to them. They're all dilapidated, so you end up having to spend five hours trying to build a new town. And you're like, and and, and when you build the, the starting town you're in, it's the biggest area, so it's it's fun. I built a tower, I built a spy thing so I could watch across the map and look. That was neat. Then I went to the next one, and it was like, oh yeah, here's this little thing. You've got to build a town, set up weapon defenses, or the next time you come back through, all these people will be dead. And it was like, and then it did it to me again. And then it did it to me again. And then it did it to me again. And it was all super generic. And it, it artificially extended the game. And then the other thing, too, is is they give you, like, 
nine different ways to build the town. And I'm like, of course I'm going to use the steel walls. Why would I build my walls out of tires? Why? Yeah. You're giving me the option to do steel. I want things to look nice. I don't want everything to look like junk. It, it just, it, it, it gets old real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Fallout, a lot of the Fallout titles are on sale as well. Yes, um, they are. I've got uh, a few others on the list. Uh, speaking of uh, No Man's Sky, actually, despite me saying it's not a very good base builder, it's a really good kickback experience if you want to just fly around and explore space and uh, take care of those kind of things. And that's on for 50% off right now. And I don't know if I could recommend the game at $60 Canadian, but at $30 Canadian, yeah, I'd say you're going to get your money's worth. You're going to play it for at least six hours. Even if you yeah. don't like it, you're going to explore things around for at least a little bit of time. Um, the other things that are on my list that I have played are uh, Oxygen Not Included is 60% off at uh, $11 I've been, Canadian. I've been eyeing that all week. It is worth it. At is 10 it? bucks, 100% worth it. I don't... Is it? Okay. I, I think it would might even be possibly worth it at, 30, at full price. Uh, I think I played... I don't think I paid full price. I bought it at Christmas time. So it was like, you know, Boxing Day. It's like, yeah, 20% off, whatever it was. But... It's such a cheap game anyway. Like it was like $27 regular price. So I think I may have paid 20 bucks for it. So, um, but that to me is worth it. There's also a new DLC um, that's out. I think that's included with it um, called Spaced Out. Um, the Oxygen Not Included, uh, for those of you that don't know, is a colony simulator. So you've crashed on an asteroid. You were supposed to crash on the planet and, or land on the planet and start a new colony, but you've crashed on an asteroid. So you've got to find water, maintain heat and safety, and you got to build sanitation and power and all these different things inside of this asteroid and so as you're creating power you're creating co2s so you have to clean the air and and what's really cool about it is that you have all these little um i don't i can't remember what they're called duplicates i think and and you tell them what to do i need you to farm i need you to mine i need you to mop the toilets or whatever it is and so it becomes a bit of a task heavy like just one more thing kind of game but the art and the sense of humor, like as a cartoonist, it's beautiful. It's it's 2D. It's just straight. You're looking at it looks like an ant farm and they're hilarious. They um, they run around. They do silly things. If they're feeling sick, they barf. You know, if if they if they're feeling like they've got diarrhea, then they like they hold their stomach and they run for a toilet. Like there's it's just all kinds of really, really, really fun mechanics and things to explore. Uh, it's very, very well done. Worth taking your time with it. Like it's it's worth just really taking it slow and th going thoughtfully through things. Um, but I, I thought it was really rewarding. I got a, a good number of streams out of it around Christmas time. I've always wanted to go back, but uh, I just, I, I'm in, very into Minecraft right now on stream because of the new update. Um, but absolutely worth 60% off. Like that's a no brainer. Uh, same with this next one, Titanfall 2. I haven't completed the game, I didn't pay for it because it's part of Xbox Game Pass. So let me, I guess technically I'm paying a subscription, but I got my Xbox Game Pass really cheap on Amazon around Boxing Day. So I bought like six or eight months at a time. Uh, right. But Titanfall 2 is 80% off on Steam. It's eight bucks. I would spend eight bucks to play the first couple of missions. Like it, it's a very well done single player. You don't have to worry about Titanfall 1. Titanfall 1, I believe was multiplayer only. But Titanfall 2 has got a single-player mission. Uh, our mutual friend Ryan recommended uh, Titanfall 2 to me uh, on Xbox because he knew I was looking for a first-person experience. And he just said, like, just play through the story. Uh, they they get you caught up in the first 30 to 60 minutes of gameplay. And then after that, you're on a mission and you're doing all kinds of cool stuff. There's some interesting mechanics that keep it, um, keep it fresh, like running on walls and jumping and stuff. Um, but it, it's, it's a really good-feeling shooter. It doesn't feel... Yeah. It, it doesn't feel hard to master. It doesn't feel too nitty gritty. Uh, I, I am not the best with a controller on the Xbox with shooters. And this felt pretty good. Like if I'm pointing to shoot at somebody, I could pretty confidently get them. Um, I found one of the boss battles, which isn't a boss fight necessarily. It's more like a, a mob, like a defend the tower sort of thing um, from a bunch of enemies. Challenging. I eventually did beat it. But it was it's one of those things where like it took three, maybe four times to beat it. But it didn't take yeah. seven. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, it's it's just just hard enough where you're like, okay, I need to focus and get better at this. I can't just spray and pray. Like I have to really kind of figure what's going on here. 
Um, but I really liked it. It's a beautiful game too. My gosh, is it pretty? At least on the Xbox um, Series X. I don't know. I don't know what it would look like on PC. I guess it would depend on what your settings are. But one thing I want to I want to recommend specifically because it is two ninety nine. Um, a game I got a lot of enjoyment out of a couple years ago called Halcyon Six, Starbase Commander. It's sort of a play on uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay. Uh, you're like a you're like the Federation, and you're put on this station that's been wiped out by some kind of attack, and now you've got to build back the space station. And you start out with like two Starfleet commanders. And then by the end of the game, you've got, like, 20 Starfleet commanders and a fleet of ships, and you have to, like, send your fleets of ships to the nearby planets to, like, get supplies and do other things. And those segments are done kind of like RPG-style gameplay. And there's a little bit of... uh, You've got to build... uh, You've got to clear out the space station because it's a dump. So you're going down into, like, the bowels of the ship fighting monsters that have, like, made it their home so that you can build back the space station... And then in the meantime, as the game goes on, you find out that there's, like, a Borg-like alien race that's trying to take over the universe. And so you've got to, like, send ships to help defend other planets from the Borg. And it, it, it's it's a mix of a bunch of things. But uh, Halcyon 6 uh, Lightspeed Edition is two ninety nine right now. It's normally about 15 bucks. Wow. Yeah. And it's a couple years old, but it's a good time. Um, and another recommendation... I would say that's worth your money if it since it's on sale is both Hand of Fate One and Hand of Fate Two are on sale. Um, they're uh, Hand of Fate One is five bucks and Hand of Fate Two is like seven bucks. Uh, these games are for anybody that likes the Arkham uh, Batman Arkham games. It uses almost the exact same combat system. Really, I love those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a mixture of that and a board game. Uh, the game begins. The first game begins. You're a traveler who has found this. Uh, has had made his way to what the guy who's known as the dealer, and he's supposed to be the hand of fate. And you are there to decide your adventure, and you pl- you're going to play a game with him. And he lays out the this there's various chapters of the game, and he lays out cards in front of you, and you have to make choices. And depending on your choices, you might end up in a combat scenario where it'll be like, you made the wrong choice. And now the caravan of bandits is coming for you. And then it becomes a Batman Arkham Asylum game. Wow, okay. And it's kind of a mix of that. And as he tells you story stuff, you have to make choices. And some of them are like random things. He'll put four cards in front of you, and the four cards will be really good, okay, bad, really bad. And he'll be like, he'll mix them up and he'll go, pick one, decide your fate. And you'll have to pick one and it will change the direction that you go on your path through the game. Um, it, 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 they're, it's a very neat idea. Uh, the first game was really, it was kind of rushed. Um, it's, it's excellent. Uh, it's not very long. I think it took me like four or five hours to beat it. Um, but it's very replayable. Um, and the second game is much the same, but the second game has more story and it, it kind of explains the first game better. Um, and they're, like I said, they're both, they're just over five bucks right now on the steam sale. Uh, they're, they're, they're well worth five to 10 bucks. There's a number of things that are just, you know, I don't have a lot on my list that's that low because a lot of what I recognize are more you know um popular games but there there are some things that i would just say like uh i have had access to forza horizon 4 for months on the xbox with game pass regular 80 dollars on sale for 50 percent off for 40 uh i don't know i'm not the biggest racing game person i've become a big fan of forza looking forward to forza 5 coming out this fall uh day and date on xbox game pass I don't think I would pay $80 for Forza, but I would pay 40 and that's what it's at right now. It's at 50% off. And that, to me, I have spent way more time in Forza Horizon 4 than I ever thought I would. And I'm not a racing guy, so if you're a racing fan, uh, I would say 40 bucks for uh, Forza Horizon 4 would be right up your alley. I also know that um, Horizon Zero Dawn has got uh, their yep, there's series a, there's out. A, 
on Steam. Yeah, I think it's think it's forty or fifty percent off right now. On yeah, Steam. and I've been wanting to try that, and um, I don't have. Uh, I know that my Xbox controllers will not work wirelessly with my PC because they work in a different way, but I can just plug them in. I'm, I think and use the USB C cable uh, to yep. to control uh, the things. The other way. thing you can the other thing you can do that I've done with my Xbox is they make a dongle that you can plug into your PC. You push a button and your wireless controllers will pair with your Right. With your yeah, because they, they use a specific like, you know, Xbox wireless. Yeah, um, it's it's not it's not it's not Bluetooth. No, it's but something it's, else. It's based on Bluetooth technology, but it's like its own signal. Yeah, proprietary stuff, which which yeah. is fine. I mean, like as I, I I I do have to charge my Xbox controller fairly often, uh, despite not using the Xbox a lot in the last little while. But I think it's just because I watch a lot of YouTube and I use the Xbox for that purpose, and so depending on how long it takes for the controller to go to sleep, it's just kind of sitting there on next to me while I'm watching videos. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I've really been, um, mostly, um, uh, using PC mouse and keyboard for games on, on stream, especially if I'm trying to stream stuff. Cause it's just nice to have the keyboard there. And I just, for whatever reason, like I, I still associate the controller with kicking back on the couch and not yep. sitting at the computer. Um, one of the, the games that you mentioned though, a few months ago or a year ago on the show, uh, Disco Elysium is like 30% off, 35% off even. Yes. And it should be also said that that they just did an update. I'm actually going to probably go back later this summer or in the winter and replay that game. Oh, nice. Um, cause, because the way it unfolds, you can change the direction of the story and it, w how and where you get to certain points in the story can be established in different ways. And they just did a for the entire game. Nice. Uh, the original game, it was all text. You had to read a screen. There was no, there was no voice acting. Uh, they just did a free update for anybody that already owns the game, and it adds voice acting to every character and every dialogue. I'm I'm curious as to see what they do because one of the things that happens while you're playing the game is your own voice in your own head will talk to you. And I'm curious if they use the same voice depending on which personality in your head is talking or if each personality gets its own voice. Ooh, that would be cool. That would be an interesting an interesting way to play that game for sure. Uh, and so I say that I, only I, having heard so much of it from you. I've not played it myself. Yeah, it, it, like I said, if you're into like choose your own adventure kind of games... That is that is well worth the price. I mean, I paid full price for it, uh, if I remember, or I maybe I got it for ten percent off or something like that. And that game occupied me for like a month. So it's definitely uh, if that's your, if if you're looking for something with a lot of story, that you that game is awesome. And that's I mean, like it's it, when you get down into the thirty dollars Canadian, probably closer to twenty five dollars US, you're encroaching on a twenty dollar Netflix subscription, right? And you're gonna you only have so much time to spend consuming story and entertainment based content in the course of a month. And I find that some games, depending on the price, can easily rival the same amount of time that you would sink into watching, you know, a thirteen episode series on Netflix or whatever. And say, I mean, people that don't binge it, let's say you're only watching Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you've got a month, 12 episodes, you know, and then that's your $20 Netflix subscription because you didn't have time to watch anything else. Or you could also spend the same amount roughly on a, a video game like Disco Elysium and get that much. Or if, in the case of Mass Effect, like a lot more story hours. Oh, out yeah. of it. Um, we got to move on, but I want to mention a couple of other things that are just catching my eye here at the top of the page. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I'm about a third of the way through this on Xbox Game Pass, it is currently half price. It's 20 bucks Canadian on Steam. Uh, if that's where you hang your Steam hat, if you're not playing Ori on console, then uh, again, 100% worth it. It is a delightful yeah. game. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. I play it just to run around sometimes. It's just, it's really, really inspiring. I mean, you don't have to be an artist to ex to just appreciate the, the soft, glowy pleasantness that is Ori. Um, really inventive too. Like I, I it's not, it, it doesn't just, copy your experience of other platformers that i've found like it, it felt pretty unique uh as far as things go um there's also another one i don't see that on right now what's the other one called ori and the will of no ori uh, and the blind forest blind forest is the first game and willow the wisps is the second game 
Right. So Blind Forest is is it on sale? It is. I guarantee it is. It's probably like five bucks. So it's not on sale, but it's only seven dollars Canadian. Oh, okay. Oh no, yeah, wait a that minute. Makes sense. Will of the Wisp. Yeah, Blind Forest is not on sale. It's just that the other one is fifty percent off, but the first one is like super cheap. So yeah. either way, I uh, mean, the first one is what I'm playing. Uh, sorry, Blind Forest is what I'm playing. That at six bucks, holy crap! Like that is yeah. excellent, excellent value. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this because um, I've brought it up on the uh, on the show before, but the board game Gloomhaven now has a digital. Uh, a version that they've been slowly working on for the, like the last year and a half. Um, they just released their second to last content update for it's in early access. They've released their second to last update. Um, there is now a full fledged like story mode with the game, and all of the characters, uh, board game characters, have been unlocked. All of the Items have been unlo- have been added to the game. All the environments have been added to the game. It's been a, a, a long tr- uh, long process, but that game is now 30% off. And the next content update is going to be the actual board game adventure added to the game. And that's going to be their last update. And that's coming sometime the end of this summer. So if, if you've heard me talk about Gloomhaven before a role-playing tabletop board game and it sounded interesting uh right now would be the perfect time to buy it uh on steam yeah 25 percent off yeah I've, I've definitely seen this pop up like in recommendations and stuff steam looks at what i've bought already and says you might like this i've definitely seen that before yeah very very cool um if you have things at home that you would like to recommend here on the show send an email to the citadel cafe at gmail.com our next episode is going to be recording on the 7th which is the day before the steam sale ends so uh i'll do my best to get those emails into the show and send out some more recommendations for our listeners to perhaps pick up the last minute on the steam sale i am trying to record uh the citadel cafe and edit and post in the same day this summer so Hopefully I can get that out on the 7th so people at home can can listen along and maybe pick up some new things. In a little bit more gaming news, Microsoft's xCloud game streaming is now widely available on iOS and PC. Uh, we'll have an article from TheVerge.com linked in the show notes. And this is just a small note because uh, as an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, I have access to this. I haven't used it yet because I don't have a controller that will work with uh, an iOS device. But I do have an uh, an iPad Pro, and uh, this could mean that I could play something like Minecraft Dungeons on my iPad uh, as long as I have a fast enough internet connection. I don't have to have my console or my PC with me. Um, I'm enjoying Xbox Game Pass. I just don't seem to have a lot of time uh, to sit down and play uh, other games right now, so I've been feeling guilty about not spending as much time uh, using Game Pass as as I should be, uh, but I've got things like uh, Jedi Fallen Order and um, it's, I think it's the name of the game. And yep. um, like I said, Titanfall Two is on there. I've been playing some Destiny Two. Uh, I downloaded and played a little bit of Don't Starve the other day. Can't say I'm going to put a lot of hours into that, but it was fun to finally have a chance to explore that and see what that was all about. The art style of that game is great. The gameplay of that game is not something I enjoy. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the dying and starting over. I don't like roguelikes. I just, it's I all the power to people that like them. It's just not my favorite thing. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather be able to save my progress and go from there and, and work through a tech tree and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can appreciate the inventiveness and the art style of it for sure. Uh, the humor was also pretty good. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, not a, not a big thing, but anyway, I looked, I looked over the full list of games that are available on xbox sorry on x cloud the marketing on this needs a little bit of work um but for those of you that aren't familiar x cloud is basically servers in the cloud that play the video game for you and then through your browser either your edge or your chrome browser you can then uh log in and play the games that are running on a remote machine and then sending you the video feed the interactive video feed uh in your browser and so you can play the games that are on the list most of the games are the same as what's on Xbox Game Pass, but there are a few kind of standout titles that I, I saw right away because they're on my to playlist, which is The Outer Worlds, which got very good reviews. 
Uh, yep. Wild, the Wild at Heart, which is new and received a lot of uh, good comments. Uh, I believe Ryan recommended it on the show, at least to me privately. Uh, and uh, that looks like Don't Starve in terms of the art style. A little bit brighter, more colorful, but it has that like 2D cartoon kind of adventure look it looked like mm-hmm. to it. Um, Gears of War, the series, and of course Halo is available. Uh, there are some some games like when I went through the list, I don't want to play necessarily an indie game on the cloud because I can just download it and play it like that. If I've got access to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, that's not a big deal. What is interesting to me about xCloud is games that my PC would be just like, oh, I don't know if I can run that at max settings, right? Um, yeah, I'd want to be able to try something like, you know, a new Halo game or the Outer Worlds or, you know, something like No Man's Sky and just crank it, just like just push it to the absolute max uh, and see if that works out. Because I have uh, 100 megabits symmetrical fiber here at my apartment. And uh, if that can handle like th- that kind of load, um, I would be pretty impressed. And then if it's something as simple as being able to have access to a game like Minecraft Dungeons or like I mentioned, uh, The Wild at Heart on my iPad, if I'm not at home, then that means that if I was doing some couch gaming with Laura or uh, if I was babysitting her dog or like doing whatever, if I had a controller that would work with the iPad and you don't have to have a controller. Sometimes depending on the game, if it's like a turn-based game, there's probably going to be on screen um, controls. Yeah. Um, That would be really really cool to just have access to a couple of really neat things that you would just never be able to play on the ios platform uh and have it streamed to the device Uh, so i'm optimistically curious there's been a number of companies that have been trying google amazon they've all been trying the whole cloud thing and uh, not successfully as of yet but microsoft is one of the companies that has the infrastructure to do it so um we'll we'll see how this folds out but it's uh no longer in beta it's available to people that have an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription. Uh, And uh, as per our friend Ryan, you can get that stuff pretty cheap on Amazon around the holidays uh, or any kind of like um, big event kind of situation where you're uh, like back to school or all that kind of stuff. Whenever there's a lot of um, electronics purchasing, generally you'll also see the um, game pass subscriptions go on sale for as little as ten dollars a month if you buy six months at a time so yeah i have a friend who just the the he want there was a bunch of games from ea he wanted to play but he didn't want to spend money on them uh because he knew that he'd play them and in like 10 hours he'd beat the game and then he'd never never play it again and uh ea does their their pass thing too and it was it was there was exclusive like like a dollar for a month trial or something like that, mm-hmm. like last month. And he's like, I bought it and then it renewed last month for like an extra five bucks. He goes, so I spent a total of six bucks. He goes, and I beat four games that I down don't don't need to go buy. He goes, and then I canceled my subscription. Well, and that's the thing that I liked about buying the cards is that um, I wasn't going to get the next three months loaded in um but uh we ended up in a second lockdown so uh as the weather was getting nicer here like i basically did like um end of january my free month ended so i did march to may and i thought okay well i'll reassess in june to figure out like am i going to be spending more time outside like what's the deal we were still in lockdown here so i thought you know what screw it i'm just gonna i'll 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 renew or not renew i'll redeem the next three month you know card or code uh, and, um, and go from there. But now like in August when it says, Hey, do you want to renew your, your subscription? I might be like, eh, not right now. I'm, I'm yeah. fine. Like most of the time I'm watching YouTube or using, you know, the Xbox as a, uh, video center, which I feel guilty about because it's a very expensive set top box if that's what you're using it for. Um, yeah. but I, I do have other games and that also might be a time when maybe that's when I'm going to buy like buy a game, like just buy one, have one downloaded. Don't need access to game pass to play it. Like for example, yep. I might get like Valhalla or something. I like the Assassin's Creed um, series. So um, I, I might do something like that for the rainy days in August. Um, but I just know that like now that we're coming out of lockdown, I've got my appointment for my second uh, COVID shot. So um, things are going to be more outside. I think there's gonna be more social things happening late July, August for me. So 
I don't want to just renew it. And that's what's nice thing about the, the codes is that you can just not redeem them and then start them up again in September or October when the weather starts to get crappy yep. again. Um, but it's uh, uh, the only thing the only thing that I'll say is is something that I will complain about Xbox Game Pass is that it's like a double edged sword. On one hand, I get choice paralysis in that I can't decide what I want to play because there's so many times that I'm looking through these things and I'm just like, I, I don't know what to play. I have that and I don't even have a, a game pass. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I find is that a lot of the titles are just like, Ugh, I this just isn't, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this. Like there's a lot of games that look pretty dumb uh, on, on game pass. Now then there's others where it's like gears of war, but it's just like, God, there's five games. Like, where do I even start? You know, like just, and that kind of stuff is a little bit tricky. Um, I did start playing the Halo Master Chief collection and I should just, I should just stick to one. Um, that's the other yep. thing is that I get pulled in so many different directions as I get into one, I'm enjoying it. Like I'm enjoying Batman Arkham Knight. And then I just, I got to like an escort mission and I'm just like, ugh, I'm checking out. Yep. But because it's not the only game I have, right? Like, I'm just like, it's so easy to just check out and then play Titanfall 2 or Destiny 2 or whatever it is. So it's it's been one of those things where it's it's been a an interesting personal social experiment as to whether I feel that it's worth it. I I think it's so cheap for me because of the the bulk purchase that it's one of those like well whatever it's like basically six ninety nine a month for me. Uh, yeah. If if it was a Netflix subscription of twenty dollars a month, I'd be a lot more careful with how many games I was installing. I'd be completing one before moving on. Like I would be a little bit more focused. I think. Um, yep. but because it's just kind of like a free for all, um, I do know that the outer worlds is very high on my list now, uh, that's been installed and, uh, I want to have that kind of like a kickback story experience. Um, I know from all the hype around mass effect legendary edition, I just knew I didn't want to replay a game that I've already played. So outer worlds, I think is going to take that place for me. Moving on to what we've been watching, uh, do you have anything you want to add to the conversation this week? I've got a couple of things that we can touch on. I see that you've watched Loki, and uh, I have watched this week's episode already. Uh, I have not watched the latest. That's actually going to be my lunch break after we finish recording. Um, so I can talk to up to and including episode three. I don't want to get into too many spoilers for people in case they need to get caught up. The one thing I'll say, though, is that following up on your recommendation to, to get into it a couple of weeks ago, I did enjoy episodes one and two. Uh, they they set things up. Uh, it, it was some it was some interesting kind of like time uh, variant authority world. Uh, you've got the timekeepers, which are like more gods slash godlike beings in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Loki's assessment uh, I can't remember the character's name, but played by Owen Wilson, the guy that the agent yep, that the, is kind his, of a, uh, his name is Mobius. Mobius. So Mobius and Loki are having this interrogation thing. And I just like the casual no fear because there's no powers in the TVA. Like Loki is essentially just a mouthpiece. Right. So you're yep. only you're, it's a battle of wits right at the table. And I really enjoyed that exchange. Good acting from both of them. Uh, it's far fetched, but it, it, it seems self-aware enough. Um, however, they really lost me in episode three and I, I throw it down to terrible writing down to the peril in giant quotation marks that had no consequence whatsoever. And the entire time I lost count uh, of the times that Loki and or girl Loki, Sophie, I can't remember how they describe her, um, have to explain to you, the audience that the planet is going to blow up. They have two conversations. The planet that they're on is doomed and they're going to die. And they're both not trustworthy. So how can they trust one another? They have this conversation over and over and over again. And it is infuriating. It speaks down to the audience and really lost me. It felt like an episode of Arrow or The Flash from their later seasons. Really, really not as, good. As, as I, I, I think I said to you pre-show... Uh, we got done with it, and it was an okay episode, but Erica looked over at me and said, so, is this like the new Doctor Who? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I will say this, I won't spoil the next episode, um, but everything that happened in the last episode was kind of like filler buildup for what's going to happen in the next episode of the show. 
And this is um, what I'm not used to from Disney Plus. Filler buildup is not something that Marvel generally does on Disney. There's, right? there's, well, there's there's only six episodes in this series, so you're only going to get the episode that came out today and two more episodes. Um, And having seen this week's episode, I definitely see uh, things are about to speed up real fast. Right. Because this is that... supposed to tie into the... No, it was WandaVision that was tying into the multiverse. Yeah. Uh, well, WandaVision's tying into Doctor Strange. They haven't said what this is tying into yet. Mm. Um, I have a funny feeling that it might be that the the that this might be tying into um, uh, uh, the new uh, Ant Man, which is called Quantum Tanium or something like that. Okay. And the villain that they're introducing in that that they've already cast and announced it's going to be. Kang the Conqueror, and he is a time traveler who goes back in time so that he can try and take over the world and then, like, start like a, ever, a never ending loop where he rules all of time. Hmm. That's his villain in the comics, anyway. He's kind of a dumb villain, but he's always kind of like a big Thanos y type villain. And he's being introduced into in the Ant Man movie. So I, I've heard rumors that this is going to tie into that, that at some point we might get a cameo from Kang the Conqueror or something like that. Do you think with all the variants and different versions that they're talking about of Loki, do you think that this is going to tie into Thor Love and Thunder at all? Yes. Yeah. Because I, um, I I realized what I got wrong. The actor's name is Sophia uh, that plays her Sylvie. Her character's name is Syl Sylvie. Sylvie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why Sylvie, they call her Loki, and then they just say, I'm not Loki, I'm Sylvia. It's like, but what the time variant authority, just the all-knowing, all-powerful thing says that it's a Loki, and then we just get switched, and it's not a Loki, or she it, is a Loki, or she's that, a... That sort of gets explained in the beginning of the next episode. Okay. Um, I, uh, I get... I, I It's the first five seconds of the episode, so it's, I don't think it's really a spoiler. She's been on the run a long time. Yeah. Uh they show her being caught as a variant and she's like 8. Oh wow. So uh somebody screws up and she like pickpockets one of their time travel devices and gets away and she's been running around for a long time. So she's kind of not a Loki anymore. She's kind of her own thing. Her own they thing. took her as a kid. Yeah, they just they have her they have her in the costume though, which I think is confusing for people. And yeah, I don't want to throw Sophie D. Mar Martino under the bus, but it's either the dialogue that she's been giving or, or given or the way that she's delivering her physical presence on screen. It it's so deliberate. Like it she feels like she's just going through motions. You know, and I understand that it's hard because you're in a, in you know in scenes with or next to uh, scenes adjacent to Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, who are both excellent actors. Um, yeah. But I just I find her so flat. It's so it, it like it doesn't her. She's not convincing at she, all. She's not. She's not my favorite part of the show. No, it's it's yeah. It's 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 not the the best thing there. Oh, so and uh, the other thing I should warn anybody. Uh, I was glad I sat through it. Um, when the credits roll at the end of the next episode, stay watching. Don't turn it off. So I Don't wish, skip. Uh, I wish they, if they're going to do that, I wish they would be consistent with it. Like I, cause I do that. Like I let it go until the black credits go. Like you, you go through yep. the visual credits. Usually with most Marvel stuff, you go through the visual credits and they've been not and, doing anything, but I just like the music because they have such interesting music choices. For and the and show. they, they have an interesting music choice on this one as well. It's definitely different from the last one. And then they, and then there is a, there is a post-credit sequence at the end of this episode and some cameos with some actors you might recognize. And I went, whoa, okay, we're in for something different next week. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. I mean, again, Loki gets points for me for being different. I just, I remember being excited to watch more and then being really disappointed by the end of episode three. About two thirds of the way through, I was kind of checking out. I was like, oh, I don't know. Although I have to say uh, one thing that I did pick up on, they pulled a daredevil 
And in the climactic chase sequence in the town with all the asteroids coming down in episode three, I don't know how long that shot was, but that was impressive. Yeah. And I'm sure there was some digital stuff going on, but like both uh, the actors were in a single camera shot, no cuts for a very long time, running around, chase scene, yeah, they, cars they, they, blowing they, they, up. Yeah, they end up like on the street, inside a store, out back out on the street, and then something blows up, and it's like all almost all one take. Yeah. You can see where they could have maybe faked a cut maybe. and then a cut in. If they even if they did that, they still did such a good job with it. Oh yeah, no, I'd I'd have to watch it again to see. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily is as long as the Daredevil stuff, but like it's long enough that you your brain kind of checks out from being watching the show and going, oh wow, this is one continuous shot. <laughs> so like, there's some there's some interesting things there, and I mean, I also say like the the set direction and the and the um set design and the production design is just phenomenal. Like, I mean the. The sci-fi planet looks cool. The train looks cool. The city they're in looks cool. I mean, I kind of called the ending. There's an arc ship trying to get off the planet. I kind of knew what was going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, you kind of know what's going to happen. Uh, and literally, the next episode literally picks up with the aftermath. It's kind of funny. They're both sitting on a rock being like, well, I guess we're going to die. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm curious to see where that might go. Uh, unfortunately, like with the sliding scale of things, uh, I did speak very highly last week about Superman and Lois and uh, episode 11 has come out. Uh, I think I might have only talked about up to nine, but I watched 10 and I've now seen uh, 11 uh, as of actually just uh, last night. And also episode 11, disappointing for Superman and Lois, total filler episode, like classic television mid-season fluff of rehashing a lot of Superman mythos that we have seen countless times before. The starting of the Fortress of Solitude, the learning of his powers, the first save in Metro Metropolis, first day on the job at the planet, first day meeting Lois. Like they, the only thing that's worth all that is seeing uh, the acting uh, uh, with um, Tyler, oh gosh, Holchin? Uh, Holchin. No, Holchin. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I get it wrong all the time. Uh, him acting as Clark is delightful. He he does his own thing, but he pulls in like little hints of of other classic things. There's a little bit of Chris Reeves in there, but not much. There's a little bit of other versions, but he definitely owns it. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where, like, I just th the whole thing is basically like a a way of explaining that. Uh, spoilers, Morgan Edge has used a Kryptonian device to get inside of Clark's head. Uh, Hochlin is his name. Sorry. Um, and so you, you're you seeing all these things as Edge is seeing all these things. So at the end of the day, Morgan Edge, the big bad guy who reveals himself to be a Kryptonian, which is the thing I don't like about this show, is that there's a second Kryptonian on the planet. Like I just find another way to challenge Superman. <laughs> like I'm just tired of this stuff. Uh, and he then knows that Clark Kent is Superman. He's married to Lois and he has two kids. And so he threatens Superman's family and gets him to do whatever he wants. And that in turn gets him to basically reprogram Superman. So it's now a mind control, mind swapping plot, which is my least favorite of all <laughs> next so to time dumb. travel. Like I hate it. Uh, so now we get to watch our favorite superhero. The one that we all love being an asshole. Uh, and kill, probably, I don't know how they do this because they've made Superman virtually invincible in this universe and now he's bad. And the only thing that's probably going to keep him from s destroying and killing people are either one, like his heart, like he's going to just find his good feelings and come out of it, or uh, Lois is going to save the day. And it's just, it's so infuriating and so frustrating to watch. And I was really enjoying the dynamic between Clark and his kids and, and like the, the kind of like farm life versus Superman life. They were doing such a good job with it. And now they've ripped the one thing, or sorry, not the one thing. They've ripped a core aspect of this show, which is Clark. And he's gone because Superman has now been mind control, which means he's going to be like Kryptonian all the time. 
and yeah. uh it's ju it's just so frustrating and uh it's still well produced it's still a good looking show but yeah eric and i have agreed we don't really watch the cw superhero shows anymore we think that it, we think that every every season is like 24 episodes and the plot could be wrapped up in like 15 and that there's like nine episodes of filler every season and the nine episodes of filler are just are just not worth the not worth the, the 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 journey anymore they're getting to the point now where like superman is is this super powerful being like you know zips around the planet in the blink of an eye which means morgan edge has all the same powers because he's kryptonian i forget his kryptonian name i don't really care uh and then edge shows up at the farm confronts lois and the two boys the the, the uh, jordan the one with powers tries to blast him with i-beams and edge just shoots him back and wins because he's stronger the only reason that lois and the two boys are alive is because the script says so like that's it he could have just completely destroyed them um the, the only reason he's there is to threaten them so that he can get superman to agree to to do what he wants to submit to the um this mind control thing like it's just it's just infuriating like there's there's so many holes in the plot and, and then next week next week superman will get free of the thing and we'll move on with the story oh again. i don't know about that i kind of feel like this is going to be i feel like it might be i'm trying to figure out how many episodes are in the season um it might be 15 all see all seasons right now are shorter than they usually are so yeah i've seen that there's 12 revealed in terms of the, the the titles but i don't see anything beyond that i think imdb has 15 but again like i don't know what's yeah. going on i'm still gonna watch because i've invested enough time into it and i have to say like the first 10 episodes are worth it like it's an excellent kind of like setup and an exploratory you know show for the things that it's it's looking at um i was pleasantly surprised like i said last week on the show but it's the CW, man. Like, no sooner do I get my hopes up and say, this is actually really cool, than they do this kind of stuff. And he's like, God, like, could you just stop doing shows like you're writing comic book plots from the early 80s where everything was like time travel and mind control and just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I, I like Berlanti, but he needs to hire some new writers. Yeah, no kidding. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server. There are multiple levels of uh, rewards, including Discord rules and bonus episodes, stuff like that. Currently at 24 patrons, I checked this morning, uh, which is steady on from last week. Our goal each month, of course, is to have at least one more patron. It's almost July. So if you'd like to be patron number 25, then check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe and help us make more podcasts. My pick this week is Lego, surprising no one. Uh, but it's a little bit, a little bit different. It's not a Lego set. Uh, I saw a CBC article uh, earlier uh, this week, uh, or maybe it was last week. Uh, Lego has eyed making bricks out of recycled plastic bottles. I'll have a link to that article as well as the recycled materials page on Lego, the Lego group news post about the new uh, recycled brick and reusable brick um, program that's happening at lego.com or not at lego.com, but at the Lego group. Uh, basically, Lego has uh, found a way to recycle uh, PET plastic discarded bottles in which they are shredded, cleaned, then not pulped, but like turned into granular kind of plastic bits and then eventually remolded into a uh, two by four classic Lego stud. Like if you're looking at a Lego brick, that's probably what you remember from when we were kids, not a specialty piece. It's just like a prototype piece. Um, the idea is that they want to make sure that it meets all the different criteria. So uh, a team of more than 150 people are working to find sustainable solutions for Lego products. Over the past three years, material scientists and engineers tested over 250 variations of PET materials and hundreds of other plastic formulations. The result is a prototype that meets several of their quality, safety, and play requirements, including Lego's clutch power, which is how they stick together but so easily pull apart. 
yeah. and uh, they um, they go on to say a, a couple few things, a couple more things about the program uh, over the next. Well, I shouldn't say next. The article was a little bit older, but through 2022, Lego is in the midst of like a three-year commitment to invest up to 400 million U.S. dollars to accelerate sustainable ambitions of the company. Uh, and back in March 2018, which I think we covered on this show as well, Lego announced their first plant-based plastics uh, that were, in fact, Lego trees and plant pieces. Uh, and uh, I'll have a link to that article as well. All of it can be found on lego.com about us uh, in the sustainability section. Uh, there's a lot of interesting videos and articles there about what they're doing. And uh, I really like the fact that a company as big as Lego is um, really leading the charge in this kind of stuff. Uh, I see it a lot on online, some of the circles I travel about, like, you know, we've got some picnic tables here in, in the, um, in the province that are made out of recycled, uh, garbage bags, like, um, so like, a uh, grocery bags, the plastic grocery yep. bags that most places don't have anymore. Uh, there's also a parking lot in Tantalan here locally. That's got like mostly plastic asphalt in it because of it's mixed, it's been mixed in with the plastic recycled bags. So all these different ways that these, non-biodegradable plastics are being reused and repurposed into things and it's like it's this interesting idea of like this thing that we've come up with plastic is incredibly bad for the environment but it's also incredibly durable and you can do all kinds of things with it uh now in terms of lego they've got a lot of health and safety because things are played with little kids put them in their mouth sometimes like there's all these different things that you have to consider um, when making this kind of a product but when you've got outside products like a parking lot or a park bench you know things that used to rot if they're made out of wood if you can make them out of something that is essentially terrible for the environment but if you need to make something that's just not going to break down ever <laughs> hey a plastic park bench is probably a good way to go uh so seeing this kind of stuff in lego is really really neat and uh i'm i'm excited to see what they come up with i'm hoping that it just once the science is solid, I'm hoping that there's enough of a push that that the infrastructure can be made so that these bottles and these plastic sources can be just streamed at companies like Lego and other companies that are making this kind of initiative to reuse the plastic into something else. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. That's all free. Word of mouth, however, is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about The Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And of course, you can follow me on social media at Joel Duggan and twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I've actually put up a couple of extra bonus streams this week. I've been doing this redstone farm that's making an absolute ton of moss blocks in Minecraft. It sounds really mundane, but when it starts to work, it's it's like a great ball machine. It's like a marble race. It's ridiculously fun. Uh, so check that out at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Lou, what, uh, what are you up to online this week? Where can people find you? Easiest place to find me is uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast, where last week we talked about uh, this last season of Fear the Walking Dead, where a nuclear bomb went off at the end of the episode. So that's going to be fun next season. Um, and... Uh, we might talk about a new TV show that just came up uh, that just put out its second season on Netflix. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs>